0: Today we're going to continue the series that we've been on over the last several weeks entitled I'm All Right. And you know the truth is that life happens. Things happen. But you can always be all right. And one of the ways that that's possible is by really getting to know who God is. What God has for your life. You know we've been in a study over the last several weeks that's coming out of the book of Romans which is one of the best laid out presentations of the gospel on a spiritual and practical level. It's really the nuts and bolts to faith. It's nuts and bolts to what makes us right with God, how we serve God, how we apply the truths in his word. And there's a lot that we've learned over the last several weeks. A couple of things that we've learned, chapter 1, we learned that we are called to belong. There is nobody who is excluded from the call that God has upon their life. Your condition, your position, your situations, the circumstances, your upbringing, your present circumstances, your person, your present way of thinking and challenges—none of that excludes you. In chapter two, we learn that we that uh, following after God requires something called repentance, which simply means this: it means to turn around. It's not an emotional experience. It's not feeling bad about yourself. It's not feeling guilty or condemned. It's literally recognizing I've been heading in the wrong direction all this time. And I see the truth in God's word and I'm choosing to turn around. In week three, we learn that we are justified, that we are declared not guilty before God. The mistakes we make, the mistakes we've made, the times we've rejected God, none of that is held against us. Because the price was paid by Christ. And so we are free to worship. We are free to know God. We don't have to approach God with guilt and condemnation. In chapter 5, in chapter 4, we learn that we are made right with God by faith. This is a faith walk. This this isn't about your behavior. This isn't about what you do to earn the love of God. That's how we work in this world. And in chapter 5, we learn that freedom from sin starts by breaking away from the beliefs associated with where we've been, uh, that we have a new identity. And I'm sorry, in, in chapter 5, we learn that we have a new identity, a, a new, uh, we are a new creation in Christ. And in chapter 6 and 7, we learn that freedom from sin is a matter of breaking away from the beliefs that we held to. From what was behind us, that we can now look ahead. And so today... We're going to be basing our study out of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And look, the book of Romans is methodical. It's well laid out. But it's also very practical. And today I want to invite you to open your heart to the truth in God's word as we lean in and we learn on the topic, follow the leader. Follow the leader. I want to ask you a question. When you were a kid, you ever ever remember playing that game, follow the leader? You ever play that game? Can anybody tell me how you win? Follow the leader. How do you actually win that game, right? Well, I'll tell you why I'm asking. Because when I was a kid, I was the worst at this game. I loved, I got all excited about playing the game, but it wasn't one that I can ever recall winning. And I'll tell you why I don't recall winning at this game. Because as a kid, I was busy goofing around. I was busy paying attention to others around me. I was busy focusing on what I wanted to do instead of focusing on the leader. I was busy doing my own thing. And so I never won. And you know, in the same way, many today are losing out in life. Many are not winning in life. You know why? Because we are oblivious, we're not paying attention, and we're not following the lead that God has for our lives. I'm telling you that God is always speaking. God is always leading. I want you to think about this. Jesus said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Why would he never leave you and never forsake you if he was going to be silent in your life? He's always speaking. The question is, are we following that lead? Are we tuning in? And so today I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to strictly focus on verses 5 through 14 as our jumping point. But it really digs into to this whole idea of following the lead of God by following His Spirit. Look at verse 5. It starts off by saying, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. We're going to hash that out in a second, really see what that's referring to. This is, But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. This is the result. It goes on to say, The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however... And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Now there's a lot being said here. And it requires us to really break it down and get some clarification. Let me start off by simply saying that to the average person, what the Scriptures are revealing here is hard to accept. I'm going to tell you why. Because it's talking about following after the Spirit of God. And for many of us, we are in tune, we are conditioned, we function by following after what the Scripture calls flesh. You know what that simply means? It's referring to our desires. It's referring to our impulses. It's referring to what we've been conditioned to. It's referring to what we've known at one time. In other words, it's living out of what you know, what you desire, what you want, what you see. And the reality is that our daily lives are a byproduct of either following after these impulses, this flesh, these desires, or following after the Spirit of God. Now, I know what somebody just thought, and we're going to dig into that. But some of you are thinking right now, well, how do you follow after the Spirit? (laughs) Excuse me. That is a great question, and we're going to break that down in a second. But I want you to see something, that your life is a result of whom you follow. And the truth is this, for many of us, that's hard to understand according to the Scripture because we think we're always in the lead. We think I'm leading my life. I'm, I'm uh, carrying my life out. I'm the leader in my life. No one tells me what to do. And the reality is that you're not. None of us are. We're either following our instinct, our natural desires, or we're following the Spirit of God. The question is, who are you following? Who are you following? And so I remember years ago, um, some of you, you've been around long enough to you've heard some of my escapades as a youth pastor years ago. Uh, I used to have a blast with kids. I was that crazy youth pastor that was willing to try anything to lead you to Christ. And so I remember one time, this was in one of those crazy times, but I remember a time where uh, we decided that we were going to take uh, the youth group, all the teens, to High Point, uh, High Point Beach. High Point State Park, uh, which is right on the cusp of New York and Jersey in the Sussex area somewhere out there. And so it was an object lesson. So the goal was we're going to go for a hike, and after this hike, we're going to end up at the beach, which really is a lake. Um, we're going to end up at the beach, and we're going to have a great day. And the kids got excited, so we took a couple of bus loads. We had a probably a good hundred, hundred something kids that day, um, and we get out there. And I had about seven, eight leaders, volunteers that were there. And they ranged in ages from mid-20s to all the way to like 60s. And uh, so we get there and there's a lot going on and kids are excited. And, you know, I'm making sure everything's in place and we're getting off the bus. And one of the leaders, the volunteers that I had there, this woman comes up to me um, because I was about to go get the directions from the park ranger. Which direction do we walk in to get to High Point, to the, to the beach area? Um, and so that was my intention. But in getting caught up, this woman who was a volunteer says to me, Pastor Jose, you want me to go to the ranger's office? I said, sure, go ahead and do that. Well, she goes, and as she's going, I just had this gut. I said, no, you go. And I said, nah, it's all right, I'm busy, right? I'm taking care of all this. So she goes, she comes back, she goes, yeah, it's that way. And so this was supposed to be a mile that we were supposed to walk. A mile, a mile, right? So after the first hour of walking in that direction, I get this funny feeling we're heading the wrong way. And, you know, after hiking that long, you know, you're going to get a kid or two that's going to go, are we there yet? And my response was, yeah, yeah, we're almost there. Let's keep going. Well, after two hours of walking, I had this sense, we're going in the wrong direction. But I was trusting that what this woman had told me was correct. Right? Are we there yet? We're almost there. Don't worry about it. Well, after three hours of walking, and a bunch of kids starting to complain, and I got some volunteers, and, you know, I remember one woman in particular, I won't mention her name, but, her, her you know, she, she was like, she's in her mid-60s. And she was a champ, man. And I had told her, too, listen, you sure? She was like, No, I want to go, I want to go. So her knee starts swelling up. So I was like, you know what? Let's sit down, let's eat lunch, and then we'll figure this out. Well, right about that time, this old man, older gentleman's walking by, and this guy's like legit a hiker. Like he's got the poles, he's got a bag, he's got equipment. So I think this guy was like actually like hiking and camping at the same time. And he comes by and and I said, Sir. Can I ask you a question? He goes, yeah, how can I help you? And I said, which way is High Point Beach? And he says, it's about three and a half hours that way. (laughs) Let me tell you why I share this with you. You know, God taught me a valuable lesson that day that till this day resonates with me. And the Apostle Paul so eloquently conveys them through what we just read. And here's the point that I want to share with you. Who you choose to follow matters. Who you choose to follow matters. So let me ask you a question. Are you following God? Are you following God? Do you, have a, do you even have an understanding of the nature of God? Are you even looking to his word? Are you going beyond the surface? Are you really looking to know God and know his wisdom? Are you applying it? See, who you follow matters and if we are not intently following God, can I ask you a question? What exactly are you doing then? What are we doing? See, it's so much more than just church attendance. It's so much more than Wearing the title, uh, you know, the label of Christian. It, let's, let's be real here. Let's really talk about what this is about. Are we following God? Because it matters. Now, you know, it's interesting. Paul talks about uh, how following after the Spirit leads to life and peace. That word life there is the Greek word zoe, which means inanimate life. It's a life that is uh, vibrant. It's blessed. There's evidence of it. It's full. And when he talks about peace, it's the Greek word "irene," which means exempt from rage or havoc, but in a context of war. It's talking about being in a place of security and tranquility. And what God is telling us is, hey, when you follow after the leading of my spirit that resides in you. We're going to talk more about that because I know you got some questions about that. When you follow... I'm taking you to a place of true life and peace. On the other hand, he says, but when we follow this flesh, when we follow our desires, when we follow our impulses, when we go by what feels right or looks right or what seems like a good idea or what's the common uh, denominator amongst everybody, what's, what's popular in the news and what everybody thinks is we should be doing, when we do that, He says it leads us to death, and that's the Greek word thanatos. And what's interesting about that death, it's not specifically referring to a physical death, although it could lead to that if we're in error. It's speaking of a death that is uh, characterized as a state of misery in the soul, in the mind, in the will, in your emotions. It's a dying. It's a state of living while dying inside. It's emptiness. And so I want want you to sit with this thought. Who you choose to follow matters. You know, the Bible talks about a guy named Jonah who was an Israelite. And this guy Jonah, basically what that means is he was one of God's chosen people. Just like you. Today God chooses you. He proved that through Christ. Regardless where you find yourself, God has chosen you. Jesus put it this way. You didn't choose me. I chose you and I appointed you to bear much fruit, fruit that will last. You are chosen by God. It's the reason why you're here. It's the reason why you're breathing. It's the reason why you're still pushing forward. It's the reason why you get up. God has a purpose for your life. And so this guy, Jonah was in relationship with God. And one day God speaks to him and says to him, hey, I want you to go to a city called Nineveh. And I want you to go deliver a message to them. Now, the thing about this place, Nineveh, is that Nineveh was a very evil place. These were people that were enemies to the people of Israel. They hated the Israelites. As a matter of fact, it was a place where, uh, in in these particular times, in the days of Jonah, um, Nineveh was like the New York City of its day. Nineveh was the hot spot. It's where everybody went. There was commerce that boomed there because it was right on the edge of the Tigris River. Um, it was comprised of over 100,000 people. Um, these people, they were the capital, uh, the capital in that entire area. And it was also a central place of worship for the pagan goddess Ishtar. And so the message that God gave Jonah was go to Nineveh and tell them, That I see the wickedness among them. But I don't want to destroy them. But I may just have to. So here's the message I want you to give them. Tell them to turn around. Tell them to turn away from their wicked ways and turn to me. Now you would think this guy's talking with God and God's talking to him that he would do what God told him. Well, guess what he did? He did what some of us do when God speaks to us. He said, you want me to go right? Well, let me just take a quick left. (laughs) He jumps on a boat and he says, I am not going to Nineveh. He says, as a matter of fact, I'm going to another place called Tarshish. So he jumps on a boat and he's on this boat and he's going in the opposite direction and a storm breaks out. Now, I don't have time to break down this whole story, but I'll just give you some, some important details. A storm breaks out. And this guy is on the verge of dying, and these people are pagan worshipers, and they're all wondering, which one amongst us did something wrong? Why is this happening? And Jonah begins to realize, man, they don't know a bit. I really messed up. I should be going in the opposite direction. And, And so these guys are panicking. They're on the verge of dying in the midst of this storm. And Jonah says, hey, if you just throw me over the boat, you'll be good. And they're looking at him like, why? He says, because... I'm the one that has done something wrong here. I'm heading in the wrong direction. And so they agree and they go, hey, let's get rid of this guy. They chuck him over the side of the boat. And this guy is perishing and a fish comes up and swallows him, a large fish. Long story short, while he's in the, uh, Jonah chapter 2 records um, Jonah's turning around. He begins to cry out to God in a his prayer. And Jonah says, God, I've messed up. And he says, but you're my deliverer. You're my God. Help me. And so the scripture says that the fish spits him out. And he ends up on the shore eventually. And Jonah heads to Nineveh. Now get this. He gets to Nineveh. He delivers this message. And a revival breaks out. These people that wanted nothing to do with God begin to turn towards God. They begin to serve God. They begin to reject their pagan gods and their pagan ways and all these evil things. And they begin to seek God and worship God. And after having experienced the mercy of God in the ocean, and after seeing a great move of God, you would think that this guy Jonah would be excited. He'd be excited for the people of Nineveh. He'd be excited about um, being delivered himself from from the grips of death in the ocean. But instead what we see is that Jonah became angry. He became angry. The scripture says that Jonah perched himself on a high point of ground that overlooked Nineveh and he's looking at Nineveh and literally this is what the scripture is depicting. He's waiting to see what's going to happen to Nineveh. Let me translate that for you. He's waiting to see when are they going to be destroyed. He hates them. He's hurt because of them. He's holding on to all this bitterness, all this rage, all this negative stuff in his heart. He's wanting the worst for them. And so the scripture says that while he's up there, he attempts to create some sort of shelter to cover him from the scorching sun, and it doesn't work, and all of a sudden, God brings up a plant, a leafy plant, the scripture says, a tree, and it grows over him, and it provides him shade. But here's the thing, Jonah's not grateful for it. Jonah's not even thankful, he's not even aware that God is still good towards him. And so while he's sitting under this tree, he's got some shade, he's, he's, Simmering. He's, he's, he's sulking in anger and, and hate and bitterness. And the Bible says that a canker worm came up and it ate the tree at the roots and it died. It withered away on that same day. And now he's scorching under the sun, but here's the thing, now he gets mad at God. He gets mad at God. Listen to Jonah chapter 4 verses 9 through 11. And God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Now, watch what God is trying to teach him here. He says, it is. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. In other words, here's what God's saying. You're angry about something that's not yours And you can't control. He's saying to him, you're angry and wanting for something that you have no right to try and control. In other words, God's saying, that's my plan. Now watch what God's trying to teach him here. He says, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals? Listen, Jonah's choice to live his life out of his anger and his hurt was so intense that he failed to realize that he was wrong. He failed to realize that he was wanting what God should do in place of God, he was f- going the other way and saying, You know, well, these are pagans, so yeah, they don't deserve that message. In other words, he's assuming the role of God. And you know, oftentimes when we follow our own way and we don't even consider God in the process, that's exactly what we're doing. We're saying, I'm God. Let me ask you a question. How's that working for you? How's that working for you? I can assure you this. It doesn't. It doesn't. And so for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to share with you just three simple application points. There's so much more that can be said, but I want to share with you just three simple application points about following after God's spirit. The first one that I want to leave you with here is that we cannot rely on self-appeasing desires as indicators for God's direction. Let me say that again. We cannot rely on self-appeasing desires as indicators of God's direction. Here's what I mean by that. Jonah trusted his selfish desires for the destruction of these people more than he did the voice of God. Listen, because of the evil among uh, the people of Nineveh, he assumed that he was doing what was right and just for God. For God. Can I say this with nothing but love? Just because it feels good does not mean it is God. Just because it feels right does not mean it is right. Listen, just because you want it doesn't mean it's yours to have. See, Romans 8 verse 12, we're going to go back there, says this in the first half. It says, for if you live according to the flesh, if you live according to your desires, if you live according to your plans... If you live according to what you've known apart from me. You know what the problem is oftentimes for us as believers? We try to live a new life with old resources. You can't seek God and still try and bring your junk with you. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It will never work. Listen, to have a new life requires you stepping into a new way of belief. It requires new information. It requires new experiences. And that's the invitation that we have with God. He's saying, I don't need your junk. I just want to heal your heart. I just want to show you a better way. I just want to lead you in paths of peace. Let me ask you something. If I came to you and I said... Man, I want to give you the very best in life. I want to provide for you in every regard. Here's what you'd probably do. Yeah, I don't know about that. What's, what's your agenda, man? What do you want from me? But that's how we respond to God in essence. That's how we respond to God. And what we're doing is rejecting the very goodness of God. This is where Jonah was. Why? Because he was really about himself. He was appeasing himself. Listen to what Proverbs 19 two says about that, those carnal desires, that self. It says, desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? Let's leave that up on the screen for a moment. I want you to consider what it's talking about here. It's talking about a desire. We all have desires. But here's where we go wrong. When our desires are not mixed and founded upon what the Bible calls knowledge. And in this context, the book of Proverbs is an entire book written about the wisdom of God. God's ways. It's not just some cool little nuggets that you get. It's so much more. It's the wisdom of God. That word knowledge there in the Hebrew speaks of godly perception. It speaks of godly wisdom and skill that comes from it. And so I want you to understand what the scripture is saying. It's saying that your desire... Without a perception that is founded upon God's leading, it is not good. It is not good. See, our flesh relies upon factors that appeal to our senses. Follow my train of thought here. Track with me here. What the Bible calls flesh, right, is just us seeking life apart from God. Driven by our own selfish ambition, our own ways, our own thinking, our own uh, belief system based upon everything we've been through. And the thing about it is this flesh, if I could just use it as an example, relies upon some different portals to gather information. How did you get to where you got to? Let me tell you how you got to where you got to. You saw it. You heard it. You felt it. You touched it. You probably smelt it. Right? That was not proper English, by the way. (laughs) I threw a T in there purposely. But listen, my point with that is this. If we just go based upon what we learn and experience through these portals, here's the thing. It's limited information. Let me tell you why. These eyes can only take you so far. These ears can only capture so much. This touch is limited to your reach. Now watch this. The leading of God is not limited by your experience. The spirit of God does not rely upon what you, those factors to lead you. I remember when I first started learning how to ride a motorcycle many years ago. One of the very first things they talk to you about is when you're approaching a horizon You're coming up on a a, a hill or a bend. What they tell you is slow down. They tell you lay off the throttle. Give yourself a little extra space. And here's the reason why they tell you to do that. Because you do not have the ability to see what's ahead of that curve. What's ahead of that horizon. For all you know, there's a car stopped. And you're going to crash. My point with that is simply this. If we just base life on what we experience, what we see, what we hear, what we feel. We're limited, but God is unlimited in his perception. God is unlimited in his wisdom and his knowledge. Come on now, somebody needs to hear this. God sees more than you see and knows more than you know. So here's a question. Who do you want to rely on? Do you want to rely upon the leading of God's spirit? Jesus said, uh, the, uh, Paul says this in the scripture. He says th- in, in, in Romans 8, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. And he said he uses this powerful statement. He says, it quickens your mortal body. Here's what he's saying. The same wisdom that Jesus had, is resident in you as a child of God. The same power that raised him is resident in you. But when you follow that leading, it says it quickens, it brings to life, it animates, it empowers, it strengthens, it encourages, it it establishes, it, it, it builds up this life. So question, who are you following? If you're not sure about the answer to that, here's another way to look at it. Look at your results. What do they tell you about who you're following? Are you following after the Spirit of God? Now look, this isn't a prime time for you to leave here feeling beat up. Because I can tell you this, none of us do this consistently. Let's be honest. None of us do this consistently. But we can. It's a matter of leaning in. You know, Jonah didn't have to be in a storm. He didn't have to end up in the belly of a large fish. He didn't have to come to the edge of death. But he did. But why? Because he trusted his own desires as direction for his life. My friend... Don't trust by simply what you see. Trust God. Follow Him. Follow the leading of His Spirit. Second point I want to leave you with here today is that what governs your mind determines how you govern your life. What governs your mind determines how you govern your life. Take you back to Romans chapter 8, verse 6. It says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. That word govern there refers to, to, one who, uh, to what one uses to fill the mind, the thoughts, and purposes. And so simply what this teaches us is this. It's that what we fill ourselves with is proportionate to how much we experience life and, life and peace from God. Let me say that again. What we fill ourselves with is proportionate to how much we experience life and peace from God i put it to you another way. What are you filling yourself with? What is the basis for how you see life? Are you that person that when they say, man, it's a sunny day, you go, yeah, but clouds are coming and it's going to rain. You know what that is? That's belief expressed based upon where you've been. You know what depression is? You know what self-defeating thoughts are all about? You know what negative stinking thinking is all about? You know what a negative perspective on life is all about? It's about you using faith in reverse. You're putting more trust in everything that's happened to you instead of the work that God is trying to bring about in your life. It doesn't work, my friend those thoughts that you cling to day in and day out, they're not producing life. They're not giving you peace. Why are you still there? It's not what God has for your life. But the thing is, you and I have a choice. And so if we are to fill ourselves according to what the Spirit is speaking, we have to ask ourselves, what is it that the Spirit of God fills us with? What is the purpose for it? How is that done? And I want to take you to a familiar portion of Scripture in John 16, verses 13 and 14, which says this. But when he, the Spirit of truth, this is Jesus speaking about the Holy Spirit who now lives in the heart, in the life of every believer. It says, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Let me just simply translate this to you. There is a relationship that exists between the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Let me put it to you this way. The Holy Spirit speaks one language. He speaks according to the truth that is in the word. Now let me encourage you with something here. If you are deficient in your time and in your desire to seek the truth in the word of God, then listen, you can want God all you want, but you will never hear him. You will not hear him. You will not. You will miss the leading of God. The Holy Spirit points us to all truth is what Jesus said. There is a relationship between the word of God and the spirit of God and you being able to hear God. And so the spirit of God is continually attempting to fill us with God's word, to lead us. And the purpose of doing so is not just so that we can rejoice like some of us do and go, oh man, I heard God. Well, why aren't you doing it? The Spirit of God is pointing us to the truth for the purpose of applying the word, of doing something in response to the truth, which leads me to our last point here today. And it's this, it's that to grow in your ability to hear God, you must do what he's already revealing to you. Let me say that again. In order I'm sorry, to grow in your ability to hear God you must do what he's already revealing to you. You know part of the journey of following after Christ as Lord is learning to discern when the Holy Spirit is leading you. Listen closely to what I'm saying as we close here. And one of the most powerful ways to do this is to first be in position, to position yourself to hear by what, uh, to hear, uh, I'm sorry, by what you do with what you've already been learning. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. Romans 8.12 says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. In other words, This is something that we have to do. This is not optional for you, child of God. Listen to what he says. We have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. No. See, through the Apostle Paul, God brings into focus a truth that many of us miss. Let me say it again. We have an obligation. An obligation to what? The obligation is not to live according to those impulses, those appetites, those beliefs, those mindsets that neglect and outright reject the truth in God's word. No, we have an obligation instead to live according to what God's spirit is teaching us. Listen, what you apply in your life from God's word is what multiplies in your life. Let me say this. Let me, let, me, let me break this down just simply as I close here. You know, listening to the leading of the Spirit of God that lives in you is very much like a muscle. It must be worked out. But as you work out what the Spirit of God is revealing to you, you become stronger in that and your ability to hear becomes greater. Now I'm going to tell you how that applies to this point I'm making here. Every one of us has had an experience with the Word of God where you've seen something that you should apply. And if you're struggling to hear God and to discern what the Spirit of God is leading you to, It's because you haven't been applying what you've already seen to be the truth. You're not working the muscle. And thus, if you're not working the muscle, you're not expanding your ability to hear. There are some of us that were saying, God, heal my heart. But you haven't even forgiven. There are some of us that were saying, God, I believe what you've called me to. I know you've called me to do this in my life. But you're not even doing the little things. Jesus put it this way. He who's faithful over little will will be made ruler over much. You can't expect to hear from God if you can't even apply the things that you see in the word of God. And for each and every one of us, We must reconcile this truth in our heart. That God is always speaking to us. There's so much truth that he's pointing us to in his word. The question is, will you do it? Will you do it? Let's stand here today. I want you to take a moment with God right now. I want you to take a personal moment with God right now. And I want you to consider this that God's will is that you have life and peace. That's what He's leading you towards. He's not leading you to your past, He's not leading you to a place of hurt, He's not leading you to a place of destruction. The things you've been through, they've never been His plan. Please don't be the one that believes that lie that that says that God put you in a bad predicament to break you so that then He could therefore build you. God is not the culprit of the tragedies in your life. God is good. He is always good. But the reason why you're still standing after those tragedies is because God is still faithful. Hear the voice of God. Hear what God is speaking to your life. You've been following your own way. And it doesn't work. Now's the time to follow a new way. Let me lead you to life in peace. Let me show you what truth.